This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 12, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Presidents who presided over peace and prosperity seem to fall to the bottom of presidential rankings. But quietly securing the blessings of liberty is precisely what presidents are supposed to do. So says Cato Institute Vice President Gene Healy. The Siena Research Institute came out with one of it, one of these perennial polls ranking the presidents. And I guess one of the only surprising things about this one was that they've decided 18 months into his term that Barack Obama is already the 15th best president in U.S. history. But you know, maybe that's not surprising, given that he got the Nobel Prize uh, when voting closed about two weeks after uh, his inauguration, and nobody's quite clear on on why that happened. But with the Siena poll, outside of that one aspect, there really weren't any surprises. It's very typical of the common practice of ranking presidents, which has almost always served to advance the the people who dream big and dare great things uh, to populate the top 10 list with war leaders and activist presidents who offer new deals and new frontiers and great societies, um, and to devalue presidents who are content with staying within their constitutional bounds and presiding over peace and prosperity. Is the assumption that these historians, when they they get involved in these rankings is the assumption that uh, circumstances are thrust upon these uh, so-called great presidents or that um, they just have a big idea, they just want to get their program through? Well, it's kind of perverse in a way because the political scientists and scholars who participate in these things pretty well admit that they, they value crisis presidents, uh, whether they cause their own crisis or whether the crisis is, happens to be thrust upon them. Uh, I mean, in, in the example of the uh, Siena poll, one of the explicit criteria that they judge presidents on is, quote, willingness to take risks, which seems like a pretty silly thing to value in somebody who controls the world's most powerful military. I mean, Maybe you'd like a little caution and prudence, maybe, but maybe that should be graded a little higher. But it seems that for the participants in, the, in these sorts of polls, that's just not exciting enough. Setting a high standard for uh, the use of the military maybe seems like uh, hand-wringing or dawdling or not, not doing anything. Yeah, there's a sense that the great, the great presidents are the ones who are willing to expand executive power, uh, and they get they get plaudits from historians and political scientists for for doing so, uh, which seems a, a strange way to grade uh, constitutional chief executives. I, I don't think the the framers' idea of the office was that it would be an ever expanding uh, source of power dominating the the coordinate branches. Uh, but as you see in the Siena poll, as you've seen in a, a lot of these polls, uh, principally the, the polls, the, the, the rankings that Arthur Schlesinger Jr. used to put together, uh, you see a, a couple of common things. In the Siena poll, for example, it should tell you something that William Henry Harrison, who uh, keeled over 
a month after his inauguration and didn't have time to do any damage, that he finishes uh, ninth worst in the Siena poll. Uh, you know, here's a guy who did no harm, uh, for whatever else you can say about him. Uh, and, of course, uh, Calvin Coolidge finishes uh, fairly low. Warren G. Harding is uh, one of my favorites, but uh, is never uh, ranked very highly in these in these sorts of exercises and finishes three from the bottom in the Siena poll. Was it Mencken who said Coolidge was a man who had no ideas and was not a nuisance? Yeah, that was sort of faint praise from from the sage of Baltimore. But I think today we might be pretty happy with a president who had fewer ideas and would be less of a nuisance. It's certainly not what we have now. Given the criteria, that is circumstances thrust upon you or circumstances you create to uh, take risks, etc., how does someone like Bill Clinton end up, who presided over a, a fairly stable time of economic growth and prosperity in the United States? Clinton used to complain to advisors like Dick Morris that it was hard for a president to be to achieve greatness in a time of peace and prosperity. Um, and he, he was right about that. I guess he'd seen enough of these polls. And in the Siena poll, uh, Obama finishes uh, finishes several places ahead of, uh, of Clinton, who's sort of in the middle of the pack. And I think that's because uh, the the uh, aside from some entertaining sex scandals, the the Clinton years were ones of relative uh, calm internationally and domestically. Uh, there there were the '90s were a great time to live through. And oddly enough, I, I never thought I'd say it, but the Clinton presidency looks better and better in, re- in retrospect. But because it wasn't, it didn't provide the level of drama that political scientists and historians seem to like, it's not being graded very highly in these early years. It is said that every president does uh, a significant job of rehabilitating the image of his predecessor. Um, does the distance from a presidency have any bearing on where somebody ranks? That is, our, Bill Clinton is a relatively recent memory. Yeah, there are, in, in many different occasions, you've had presidents jump a number of places in the rankings over the years. Uh, for example, uh, Harry Truman, who I think was a nasty little autocrat, uh, but has, his, his esteem has risen among historians and presidential scholars as distance has has passed. Uh, the public didn't like him much. Nobody, nobody liked him much when he was in office, but the years have been kind to his reputation. So yeah, there is a difficulty with uh, evaluating people when the history is still fresh, and that's one of the reasons it's absolutely ridiculous to include Barack Obama, who's not two years into his presidency in a poll like this. What are some alternative ways to look at uh, good presidents, good uh, executives? Just recently on the History News Network blog, uh, Jeffrey Rogers Hummel, um, who's an economic historian, wrote a great book about the Civil War. He he wrote about this issue, and he said that libertarians have begun to challenge the statist bias of presidential ranking. One of the examples he gives was a measure developed by a kind of a rough measure developed by two Ohio University 
economists some years back where they ranked the presidents based on growth of government relative to GDP during their terms. And it turns out that the much maligned Warren Harding finishes at the very top of the pack because of his uh, massive cuts to Wilson's wartime budget. Um, another fellow who's done uh, who, who's who's looked at this issue and developed an alternative way to rank presidents that I think is far better than the Siena method is Ivan Eland, who wrote a book in 2009 called Recarving Rushmore. And his explicit criteria are how effectively presidents promoted peace, prosperity, and liberty. And that, to me, seems pretty consistent with the some of the goals in the Constitution's preamble, like uh, ensuring domestic tranquility and securing the blessings of liberty. And that may be boring to these drama-seeking presidential scholars and historians, but for the, the folks who, who, live, who, who, who live under that period of prosperity and secure those blessings of liberty, uh, I think it's a, it's a goal to shoot for, and I think that's how we ought to look at presidents. How well did they do on those those criteria that the Constitution sets out for them, rather than, you know, were they great, transformative, uh, dynamic, and heroic presidents? I think probably we we ought to we ought to appreciate a quieter, more modest approach to the office. Gene Healy is a vice president of the Cato Institute and author of the book, The Cult of the Presidency. You can read more on executive power at Cato.org.